Off the ball. And Munster are failing at that detail. It's not the big picture that's killing them. It's it's the minutia, the detail that's taking them apart. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Whatever you grow, we'll save a bro. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances with just lack that intensity. Uh, usual caveat before this uh, starts, I don't agree with everything that Nathan says. That's all. Just getting that out there. Uh, usual caveat. Colin forces me to put some of these things in there. So just, you know, <laughs> talk about them at some stage. <laughs> well, listen, if we're all throwing each other under the bus on a Monday morning... Why should I stop? Uh, all right, let's start in the red. Uh, Connacht rugby very harsh, and Connacht who put up a brave display against Leinster on Friday night, uh, beaten ten nil. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hone in on the zero. Uh, another night, Connacht probably what kicked a few penalties, but were going for corners, going for territory, trying to get themselves a try to really give themselves an opportunity to win the game, and nothing quite worked out. It, it wasn't that dissimilar to the week before against Munster, where like they won the game, but they should have absolutely taken Munster to town and missed an awful lot of chances and they just weren't particularly convincing any time they went into the Leinster half it did feel a little bit at times like it was men against boys that you knew all of Leinster's experience would count and that Connacht would make a mistake and time and time again just when Connacht were inside the 22 the ball was turned over Leinster were able to produce a big play at the right time yeah, get like, out of danger. there's one specific break that leads to the last penalty that takes Connacht out of losing bonus point territory, and uh, there, there's a like a bit of an incident at the ruck. Josh van der Fleer makes sixty yards, mm. and then the penalty gets conceded, and the penalty gets kicked, and it's like ball game at that stage. Like at that stage, that like they were at a, they had an attacking platform, and they all kind of stopped thinking, well, we're going to get a penalty here, and they didn't get the penalty, and. Uh, you know, that's that's a massive shift in the result of the game. So it's a bit of a sliding doors moment. Now, the better team won. They have better players. They have a much, much bigger budget. I think Connacht losing by 10 points to Leinster, it's not really uh, the worst performance they're ever going to have. Like, No, they had enough to keep them in the game. They just didn't have enough to win it. So in the first half, actually, when, when Leinster were playing very well, like Connacht were very resilient. They got a couple of really important turnovers. Uh, from a couple of lineouts, you know, defended valiantly on their own line. It was just when they went up the other end and they needed that extra bit of quality or a bit of composure they were lacking. But maybe that's every team when you go up against this Leinster side. It's not like playing anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully Leinster's performance is a harbinger of um, them clicking into that level of gear. Because like the previous week, they put up what 45 points against a good quality South African side at home. So, um, you know. I'm, I'm not throwing Connacht under the bus here, but I can see why they would be in the red. I'm sure they're very disappointed about it. Um, well, it's one win, in, one win now in five. What's notable is that Munster are not in the red. We will get to them a little bit later, and we'll do yeah. plenty of, of uh, celebration, I suspect, from Alan Quinlan about, or relief more than celebration, I think, about the quality of the performance they put in. And, and where the quality was coming from, it was the kids, and it was like, right, whew, whew, okay. But we should also mention Ulster going to South Africa and winning... And uh, Mike Larry, he's very good. It's like it's just going to be one of those careers that is on the fringe of being incredibly important for Ireland, but maybe not getting the opportunities. Or, or he's going to make it all the way. And if he does, then we're going to be very exciting to watch for the next five, six, seven years. Yeah, you could be in the position where 
you know, Hugo Keenan does a Rob Carney and gets another six, seven years at full back and nobody ever gets an opportunity. I, I, is the jury still out in Ulster? It feels like it's not, but then we're still two months away from Champions Cup. Like, they need to be getting yeah. consistently to Champions Cup semi-finals, finals. Yeah, look, and, um, you know, they've, their big money signing isn't coming until after the World Cup. And you're like, wow, that's great, the World Cup's imminent. And it's like, it's not really imminent. Like, the, rugby uh, transfers are a dangerous business, aren't they? Um, like, with the amount of injuries, signing somebody and saying, yeah. see in a year's time, pal, yeah, yeah, yeah. after you play the most attritional tournament there could be. Yeah. yeah. Well, come here fresh and ready. Yeah, for a lot of money. I mean, look... Um, yeah, I, like I, I think it's a big opportunity for them this season. Like they, largely, most of their players are coming back to fitness. I mean, obviously, you really hope that Stockdale. Uh, the, I haven't seen the diagnosis and the latest ankle injury, but how bad it's going to be. And you'd always always have concerns about Henderson's injury profile. But if you know, if by and large they can have a, a season where their best players aren't out for five, six, seven months and are actually playing together a bit, um, they've got an incredibly exciting backline. That's the thing that I think is going to make sure that um, Ravenhill's full every Friday night. They got Lower Shell in the Champions Cup. It'll be a good game, you know. Happy to see. It'll be interesting. Right, that's that's the first one in red. What else? Sorry, Jer. I, I think you probably agree with this one. Do you? Aston Villa. Back in the red, though Steven Gerrard said it was an outstanding performance. Well, against Chelsea, yesterday. it was it was a much better performance, right? Like they were they were unlucky in that uh, very good chances were missed, and they had a goal match scramble almost as good as the Republic of Ireland women's team against Scotland, where you're like, go, it's going to be goal, no, it, it's coming now, no, it's going to happen now. Oh Jesus, how did it not happen? Uh, look, Chelsea weren't very good. Villa were better than I expected them to be. I wouldn't have been terribly surprised if it had finished one all. It probably would have been a fair result. I think the XG was definitely in Villa's favour. Um, ah, well then, give them the points now. Well, Nathan, when you're reduced to the XG to defend your team, I'm not. Like, I, I don't want Steven Gerrard as the manager long term. I'm not actually here to. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. But I think that, like, uh, credit where it's due, it was a better performance than I expected. I, I actually expected them to get rolled over three nil and not create any chances, but they did create chances, and they did seem to have, like, he dropped Coutinho. You know, fair enough. Looked like he was having difficulty doing that on a consistent basis. That whenever he kind of needed something or felt like he needed the big moments in the game, and the way he talks about it is always big moments. Oh, I need big moments for my big players. Like, actually, you don't. You need a style of play and a philosophy and a belief system, and you need to create chances. You need to have an idea about how those chances are going to be created. Like, Tyrone Mings makes a mistake for the first one, and then the second one, they're blaming Emmy Martinez. But like, it is one of those ones where the ball moves in the middle of the of the I air. It's a cracking like, free kick. So you know, cracking job. I actually don't think this is the worst it's been for Villa and the atmosphere wasn't as toxic as it might have been I think because they created chances Well they created a lot of chances like Chelsea had to make a double substitution at the break because they were getting cut open so often and maybe it's a different game if Chilwell gets sent off like it was a really really bad tackle on Ramsey in the first half like you need those sort of decisions to go in your favour when you're playing a team of Chelsea's quality so yeah they created chances but what is it one win in seven now? They need to turn this around quickly, and a lot of these clubs, I'm sure, you know, probably the likes of Southampton as well, are wondering: Do we go before the international break, and then you give that manager a month on the training ground, where you know a lot of the players will be there, the vast majority of players will be there, or do you hope that they can somehow turn around over the winter break and I come back in December fully I, I, refreshed? You get rid of them if you've got a much better option. That's the like it can't just be knee jerk. Okay, who's available now? They have to have a plan in place to go. Okay. We have agreed backroom team, we have agreed costs, we have agreed transfer strategy with the next manager, whoever that might be. Or there's like a world-class young coach, the next Graham Potter is out there somewhere, and they're like, okay, we have our eyes on this guy. You would expect 
Christian Perzo has been around football for a long time to know who the best young coaches in world football are and also who the superpower managers are who might be like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this project, but I want full control over this or this is going to be the person who um, uh, scouts and recruits for me. Well, yeah. the next three games will surely say a lot. They've got Fulham away on Thursday night. They play Brentford at home next Sunday. And then they've got Newcastle away before they take on Manchester United. Like those Fulham games, that game against Fulham and Brentford, like you need four points from them. Yeah, you do. And, uh, you know. Uh, Tennis Tank says, good thinking, fellas. There should be zero tolerance. This is uh, about, I mean, really, you know, um, people going onto the sideline should be in the performance rankings. But it's kind of too serious in a way for us, uh, maybe even. I don't know. Um, the big news, say, Jared, at least some people go onto the sideline. They'll just sit in their car watching, you know, their kids out there suffering in the rain. Well, as I said, there's no point in us all uh, being miserable. Wow. <laughs> uh, the big news of the weekend: Diego Maradoherty is back. Says Briar. I was a, he, he should be in the green. Did you see the hug? It was one of those uncomfortable hugs where Antonio Conte wrapped the arms around him, then sort of shook the head in a passive aggressive way. But you're my boy. You're my boy, Matt. I told you you could do this. How, how long will he be his boy? Is there two more games left? Uh, one, the, more game one, left. one more game left. One more game left. One more game left. He was very good. Um, but Emerson Royal does seem to be his favourite son in that right-back position. Came straight back in the Champions League. Uh, but there's a lot of games. They're playing Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Constantly yeah. between now. So. Yeah, I, I, I like it. Change the team up. Fresh legs, fresh energy. Uh, Jack2022 says, TJ Reid in the green consistently delivers club and county Ballyhale five in a row. I know club not as popular but deserves mention. Paul Murphy for East Kerry was unreal. I did see Owen Sheehan had the um, the laptop up in uh, Mexico watching the... In the end, it was a bit of a damn squib. Um, uh, it was interesting though, Eddie Brennan was tweeting that the debate is over. TJ Reid is the greatest of all time. It's like, well, that was interesting. The, uh, the next Kilkenny reunion will be interesting. Yeah. Stefan's like, huh? What? Yeah, uh, Henry was uh, in the dressing room before on Friday as well, um, talking to the Ballyhale players. Obviously, a very emotional occasion for Ballyhale as well, at five in a row. So, TJ, uh, we'll, uh, like, we'll have to do the ultimate rundown. We, we need uh, different criteria to decide. Is it just between TJ and Henry? Like, if it is, it's a bit insane. Well, the two greatest hurlers of all time come from the same tiny little village. Well, uh, d- you know, TJ was on the. DJ's uh, a good point. Neither uh, neither TJ or Henry made the Kilkenny Mount Rushmore. Maybe that needs revisited. Maybe that we could go back to that one. Uh, Aina Carroll says the A team on this morning. Surely Shane Walsh in the green booed every time he got the ball. Man of the match, medal in the pocket, vindicated. I saw somebody referring to him as a Terry Butcher style headdress, and I was like, I wonder does that does that reference land with a lot of people? I uh, I brought this up in commentary last week. Um, Jordan you ended up with I said I mentioned this to Brian Kerr we need a more modern uh, comparison because the automatic reaction for everybody of our age is Terry Butcher style yeah. like, but who is who is the modern version so somebody who's 25 who's never heard of Terry Butcher yeah did any did any of that ever have a bandage covered in blood in a match that's who we're talking about yeah right, go on next in the amber the Connacht football championship in fact just the GEA championships I was out uh after, uh, you know, standing on the sideline in a polite manner on Saturday morning, I got in my car on Saturday afternoon, uh, flicking through the stations, ad break on news talk, so just flicking through to see what's happening. The next thing I hear, 
Mayo will play Ross. What, 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 what? Mayo will play Ross Common in what now? In what now? Is this the, the, talking about the league? Uh, the fixtures out for the league? Oh no, it turns out the draws for the GEA Championships were on on Saturday afternoon. That's next summer's GEA Championship, well, next spring's GEA Championship. And yes, uh, the Connacht football draw is, I would say, the most interesting one of all, where on the one side you have Galway, Mayo, and Ross Common, and then on the other side you got everybody else. The last time this happened, London got to the final back in 2013. All right. And what, what, would, what would that happen? What would that... Why does this matter, Nathan? Well, it matters more than ever because it means that one of London, New York, Leitrim or Sligo are going to play in the All-Ireland Series next year. So, as we know, the top 16... Well, that makes sense. That, uh, one of the Division 4 teams could end up being ranked higher than a Division 2 team. Oh, oh but that, that was the whole problem with Proposal B. They shot it down on the basis that something like this might happen and lo and behold oh it happened with your shitty system well, well that is lads, exactly well a, you killed something much better and now you've got something completely rubbish but anyway. that is exactly what will happen uh, the two teams that start this season in Division 2 but are relegated are not going to be in the top 16 uh, now they knew that anyways but it does mean that there are potentially teams higher up the rankings in Division 2 who may not be guaranteed a place in the All-Ireland series next year. The reason for this, so, Talchon Cup winners automatically get in, which means Westmeath are in. Uh, Westmeath are a Division 3 team, and one of those teams in Connacht, because all the provincial finalists get into the All-Ireland series. Now, the ideal scenario for this, and we spoke about this even with Westmeath last year, is that a team in Division 3 has a really good league campaign. They win all their games, they win Division 3, They've a good provincial championship. They've got a load of momentum and they're going into the All-Ireland Series and they get a real opportunity to test themselves against better opposition. Probably not going to qualify, but get an opportunity to test themselves against Dublin or Kerry or Tyrone and see what it's like against the Division 1 teams and progress. It's not set up for this scenario and we don't know what Leitrim and Sligo will do. Both of them have a lot of ambition. Uh, but but they every- would both really benefit from the Talton Cup and the groups in the Talton Cup next year. Now what's going to happen is that whoever comes through on that draw are going to be massive double-digit point underdogs against Division 1 teams. And and it's going, to, it's going to make the draw somewhat lopsided because they're going to be second seeds in the draw for the round-robin series uh, because they're the beaten provincial finalists. But you could have a scenario where one of these Connacht teams doesn't have a particularly good league campaign, you know, stays in Division 4, uh, they win their semi-final, they take an almighty beating in the Connacht final, and then they have to go out again with no momentum at all into an All-Ireland series. So it, it doesn't make any sense. Like there's, there is a slight possibility that you know, Mayo, Galway, Roscommon uh, end up being relegated from Division 1, and more teams from Division 3 or Division 4 get to provincial finals, and they don't find their way into an All-Ireland series. It's highly, highly unlikely, because, again, there's still 14 places up for grabs there. I think they'll all be fine. Uh, but does it change the way they look at the championship now that they're not going to be top seeds? Remember, what, these seeds are probably going to be fourth seeds now, so you're definitely going to have a group of death, it feels, uh, automatically, which is maybe no bad thing. And I think most people, and Sean Cavanaugh, was, uh, he was great on the draw, actually, because he just constantly kept saying, this is basically all a lot of nonsense. Like, why, why, is this being, <laughs> why is this being allowed to happen? The Munster draw happened. He's like, who cares? Really? Uh, it was uh, Limerick and Kerry were seeded, but Cork and Kerry are on opposite sides of the draw. So if it goes... Andy. 
and Cork uh, have to play Clare. So it's the, it's the teams at the bottom of Division Two who are going to struggle to qualify for. Well, it also means that the team that wins Division Three, if it's not Westmeath, uh, won't get through now to an All Ireland series. So you know you don't get to build that momentum. So listen, it's too early to be. Oh, having this draw, anyways, right. like if you're yeah. if you're in, if you're Kildare, well, it, it's too early. They've had it now, so that no one is paying any attention to it, so nobody realizes what's happened. Well, you should you should pay attention because Kildare might be one of those counties under a bit of pressure here. You know, they're on the same side of the draw as Dublin in the Leinster Championship. They're in Division Two as well, so they're one of those teams who could potentially lose out. So now, actually, their league is the single most important thing for them next season, as opposed to the championship being. So it has all this massive unintended consequences where, you know, we're going to have um, the, the dubs on the road to Carrick and Shannon. It'll be a great occasion, and it'll be, you know, not actually a real opportunity for Leitrim to measure their progress against teams of a similar standard. Whereas, actually, last year we saw teams of a similar standard. They had great games, but what... what anyway, if you look... That's because the provincial championships, just in case anybody is, is uncertain, the provincial councils clung to their power like limpets. And as a result, we now have the, these provincial championships being of more importance and more significance than next season's championship. Uh, the next season's... Ah, look at you, you know what I'm talking about. But, but here, the provincial champ, like in Connacht, they might be delighted. They've got Mayo against Roscommon, first day out... Kevin McStay Derby, imagine the hype and the buzz. The winners of that play go away in a semi final, another massive crowd, and then you've got a Connacht final where you're always going to get a big crowd. So, are you? Maybe you will. And sure, they, they, they don't care what happens after that, do they? On we roll. 7.53 this morning. Right, uh, we need greens. Uh, first up in the green, Shelburne into the FAI Cup final for the first time in 11 years. Haven't won the Cup since the year 2000, since the turn of the century. But Duffer has brought them back to the big time. Uh, obviously, the performance and the result is important, but I think it was Duffer's post-match interview yesterday. That's, uh, it's not all about him. Have we got Duffer's post-match interview? Let's listen to what Duffer had to say after the game. Uh, listen, I'll have to change my mindset because all I've said all along was get to the final, get to the final. I never addressed whether winning the final. So the guys, the staff, myself alone... We'll have to, to change that mindset. Yeah, we're in it to win it now. Um, but listen, we've won. We shouldn't be here. Little old shells, as people call us. Everyone hates us, I think. Uh, we're in the division for another year. And we're, uh, we're in a final. Hey, it doesn't get any better. Well done. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> there you go. Ah, uh, little old shells. Everyone hates us. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, I think you're wrong, Damien. Does anybody hate shells? Aside from, you know, maybe Bulls fans or Pats fans. Does anybody really... Hate shells? No, they don't. I think actually shells uh, for your neutral fan now with Duffer there. Oh, people yeah. want people yeah. want them to do well, but he's obviously trying to build some sort of a siege mentality. It is straight out of the Jose Mourinho playbook. Like he he learned a lot from Jose Mourinho. He is controlling the post match talking points constantly. Uh, he knows exactly that everything he says will be picked up, and he's trying to get into his players. Nobody likes us. We're not going out in the we're not going out in the FAI Cup final, and you know. 31 counties, 31 places. Well, Derry will be strong favourites for the final. Derry will be strong favourites. Like, it's a huge, huge achievement for Shells to get back in. Like, he, he was playing down expectations at the start of the season. Like, you know, they were just promoted, uh, but they've survived comfortably. A couple of better results over the last few weeks, and maybe they could have started looking up a little bit more in, in the league table and push for a position in the top five. They've had some big, big results as well. They've had, like, sorry, in one-off games, they've proven that they're actually capable of beating the best team. Well, exactly, and they should have beaten they should have beaten Shamrock Rovers, you know, last week out in Tala, uh, you know, beaten by a last-minute goal. 
But now they're in a cup final. Uh, you know, Damien Duff said that was the aim to get to a cup final. Now they need to go and win it. I think it's a good cup final. You know, in terms of getting a big crowd. Uh, Derry have a massive support. I think anybody with any interest in shells will go there. I'd imagine a lot of neutrals will want to see uh, what it's like. You know, it was always probably going to be this way once the draw was made, where you had shells and Derry on opposite sides, and you know Derry just got over the line against Treaty. Shells made hard enough work of it uh, against uh, Waterford yesterday. But yeah, like Duffer, he he's all in on this. As and he keeps box saying, office, yeah, he is all in on this. It's it's like it's clearly something exactly, and he's he's obviously uh, I think. Was somebody saying he's not sleeping very well at the moment? Like, I really hope he sticks around for into the medium term. Like, three, five years of Duffer in the league would really help transform what people think of it and as a career path. And, like, you know, he doesn't, he's not doing it for the money, he's doing it because he loves football and giving back in a way that it'd be great to see loads of his contemporaries give back to the league and say, yeah, this is a great place for me to uh, earn my stripes and to, you know, uh, pay it forward. So, uh, he's been he's been very successful at it. Right. Arsenal in the green, also in the green, Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, we don't usually have two teams in there, but uh, yeah, well, Arsenal are top of the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City were beaten yesterday, so uh, they are looking a bit comfortable at the top. It's, I said it before, it's such a shame. Arsenal-Manchester City should have been on on Wednesday night. Uh, but because of the Queen, we don't get that game and it's been pushed right back because it would have been a real opportunity for Arsenal to put some daylight between themselves and Manchester City. Uh, Liverpool are back. Their best performance of the season by an absolute mile. It felt from pretty much the first minute as though this was the Liverpool of, of old, of you know, six months ago, <laughs> yeah. three months ago. Like there was Not giving away a goal in the first minute, turns out that's good for you. Well, exactly. There was a real intensity to everything that they did. Uh, it was the front four pressing right up in Manchester City, not giving them any time in the ball. Uh, you know, blocking the supply lines to Haaland. And Gomez and Van Dijk were exceptional. Gomez got man of the match, but Van Dijk I thought was the best player on the pitch by a mile. The fact that his range of passing, which we haven't seen as often as you don't get the two fullbacks involved as much as they did, but because they had to sit so deep to make sure that there was no space for Haaland, they were so reliant on Van Dijk being able to pick out those 70-80 yard crossfield balls to James Milner at right back, uh, who didn't really put a foot wrong either. And it, it did feel like watching Liverpool at their very, very best again, which you know, raises questions as to, is it a mentality thing? That can, they get, can they get back up again against West Ham? On Wednesday night, they have to because that was it, it that was be, the genius of Liverpool over the last five years is that they somehow managed to turn up with that intensity all the time, but week lo- in, week out. Losing the Champions League final, there it's a, like strong possibility it gives you a hangover. Like it's a very natural human thing. I was like, oh my god, look how far we went. We went to, we went to the last game of the season in all the competitions, and we ended up really with nothing important to show for it. I can I can see how in the middle of the team there's just this kind of broken heart that needs some time to heal possibly now you know, football moves fast you don't really get time to heal yeah, and but maybe we didn't think of maybe that. that's it maybe that's a season gone maybe it's not maybe this kick starts them and we know they're that still Liverpool, in the Champions League we know well they still have Champions League and we know that Liverpool can go on a run like they've done it consistently and like it was actually just brilliant to watch that game yesterday because these matches have elevated the Premier League to a whole new level over the past four or five years and it felt as though this might be the one where it starts to fall apart, but it was every bit as good and intense as any of them that we've seen over the last few years. Almost all the big names stepped up, like Salah's goal 
when you watch the angle from behind that how he manages to take that down while spinning away having had a from miss Jao Cancelo, having had that miss earlier on like yeah. that was an insane insane sort of 10 minute spell give me 10 seconds on Arsenal here before uh, the because the Arsenal fans have already got the comments written so uh, they uh, were fortunate it turned out VAR I don't know if you saw this where the game was delayed for 40 minutes and everyone's like just get on with the game it doesn't matter about VAR just, uh, which I would agree with like if the VAR doesn't work and there's a power failure and the referee like you know just get on with the game and, and do it uh, thank Christ for Arsenal they managed to get the VAR working uh, so Patrick Pamper misses a penalty uh, apparently the uh, leads were very good in the second half and then right in the end uh, deep into injury time uh, Gabriel gets sent off gives away a penalty VAR it was a far skill decision Patrick I don't know if you saw this uh, Gabriel is sort of standing there and Patrick Bamford comes up and like rams himself into him uh, says Gabriel flying as he's on the ground falling backwards his sort of foot goes up towards Patrick Bamford who throws himself to the ground in agony uh, straight right card for Gabriel uh, penalty for Leeds and then VAR and thought actually Gabriel doesn't touch him here and yeah. Patrick Bamford is the one who was at fault so listen there's a, not, there's a big VAR big opportunity is what I hear VAR is in the but green but there's a big 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 opportunity here for Arsenal is that I think you know they are really quality side and there are flaws in this Manchester City team okay yeah, that's this week's Gillette Labs performance rankings OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette 